We're back. Oh, there's those Yo. classic monitor speakers. Hello. <laughs> Hi. It's been so long. Oh, yeah. So thanks, everybody, for sticking through the break here. Um, we are back. And we're here with Live Overflow again. <laughs> been here. But thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, um, I guess we can just get right into it. Do you want to introduce yourself, um, the viewers at home? Uh, sure. Um, I go by Live Overflow on Twitter. Not the best name to have chosen to be called like that. Um, I make YouTube videos. Uh, mostly that's what I'm, I guess, known for. Uh, professionally, I do, I'm a freelancer. and do like application security, web security, uh, source code reviews, and that kind of stuff. Not so much the regular pen testing with like networking, more like the application uh, side. And yeah, that's that's about it actually. Awesome. So yeah, um, I guess that we have some standard sort of questions to go through with you, but then we kind of wanted to have more of a free-flowing chat after for anybody who's around. So we're actually streaming on both the live overflow Twitch channel as well as the hard chat Twitch channel. So sure when you're on, I guess you can ask us questions. If you have any questions for us, or questions for him, um, just throw them in there and we'll be listening in. Um, shout out to Dollar VPN Club for, for modding the chat. Um, so yeah, let's get into that. Uh, so first question is, what got you interested in computers and security? Um, that is probably the fault of my dad. Uh, he worked at Hewlett Packard and he had always access to like PCs kind of very early on and brought like home old PCs that were not used at work anymore. And uh, I just love to play with those. I disassembled those. I looked at the PCBs and stuff like this. And that definitely sparked like my interest in computers. Um, yeah. And then I also wanted to learn like programming and all that stuff. And um, about like how, how I got interested in security or hacking, I guess it's just like that hacking has been like part of like pop culture. You know, you heard it. It, it was this cool thing that of, of people that really understand technology. So I guess I just, from that on, I kind of was interested in that. But I also remember my dad giving me the book, The Cuckoo's Egg by Cliff Stoll. Um, and I'm sure that must have also had some quite some imprint on me. Uh, but I always try to get like into security, but you can imagine you're like a teenager, have no clue. And then you Google on trying how to hack in like the early 2000s, I guess, or something like that. Uh, you only found like shit stuff i never found like the real communities where i could learn something uh so it took me until like uh until i was at university when i had like all these years of experience of like programming that i discovered ctfs and finally i realized that i could actually get a foot into the world of security and uh yeah and ctfs were basically that what then really really motivated me yeah no, that's awesome. I mean, that's uh, that's, that's actually cool. interesting. Like, you know, when you started off and, uh, you know, you learn a whole bunch of stuff before you stepped into the communities so that when you came in, you had like a good foundation before you, you know, which a lot of people try to skip that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that actually one of the things that are so curious to me that I hear it all the time that people like start in security and or do pen testing and don't know to, how to program. 
I guess reality is that works. From my point of view, I cannot comprehend how that would be a thing. Like, I feel like, but I guess I'm biased just based on my past that I feel like I must know all these things to be able to even understand a little bit. But yeah, that has always been something I've uh, found curious. Yeah. Yeah, I, d- I definitely feel. Absolutely. Um, oh my goodness, my mouse is so touchy. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, that's like a, such a good point. Like, there's we people have talked about that a bunch because there's like people have said that you can't do like hacking, you can't do like penetration testing or any security stuff without knowing how to code. And it's like some people do make arguments that you can't. I but I, at the same time, I'm I'm like unable to comprehend that either. I have to learn how to like write something, I guess, to understand how it works. But some people are visual, I guess. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a lot outside of hacking that isn't necessarily programming, but it's more like logical. And so that might be an advantage for some people. I mean, some people are ops people, you know, like if, mm-hmm. if what you know is how to like deal with networks and you never have to code anything, like it's a wide field. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's probably the thing. It's a wide field. Yeah. If you're a wizard at like, you know, Cisco and then networking and routing and you can, you know, secure <laughs> work through through different routing rules you know that's just as much security as finding a kernel exploit you know just same same means or different means to the same end i guess of just keeping things safe um but yeah um so definitely want to ask you how long have you been making videos because i i found out about your videos a few years ago i thought they were awesome and watched a bunch of them and um kept up with a, a bunch of your work but how long have you actually been doing this for the, the security videos specifically or just like actual videos in general? Uh, both, I guess. Um, mm, so I think I think I always had like a inclination or like I, I have been like making videos on and off just like through my whole life. So I feel like that kind of led me to making then videos now. I never realized that really about myself, but looking back, I realized that in various stages of my life, I had encounters with creating videos and so mm-hmm. as a child i had like my dad's camcorder and i was like making lego stop motion movies um and then and then some of you might have seen like my april fools video um where i i, I do like pe- tricks with like pens like literally pens and i was making like a joke about pen testing but it's actually like pen spinning doing tricks with pens and so that was like something i did in my teenage years and this is where i actually learned editing because we would record ourselves doing like tricks with these pens and editing it to move uh, to, to music and stuff like this so that was like my teenage years with video stuff and uh then actually i i thought also remember that i was doing like basics of like computer tutorial videos already only like three or so there was like a google code jam which is like a google programming competition for Mm -hmm. computer science students and i remember doing like two like write-up videos of that i i just recently remembered that um and i also remember playing guild wars 2 and they have like an uh it's a online game and they have like an API with just some JSON data. And so I was making like a video, a basic programming like tutorial video on how to interact with such an API. Uh, so, so somehow I have been doing videos throughout my life and never really considered myself like a video maker or something. But starting the security videos that basically started in like early 2015, 
so I guess four, almost four years now ago. Um, and I actually started with live streaming and not with making videos. That's why it's also live overflow. Uh, uh, I was interested in that because of, I watched Geohot. Geohot it, just bef a little bit before that was doing sometimes like live CTFs. He was um, streaming himself, solving challenges. And at that time, I was kind of hitting a wall when it came to security. Um, I just couldn't really progress. All this stuff was so complicated. And sh seeing him, how he's interacting with the terminal and the kind of script he's writing and just that like being able to look over the shoulder of somebody who is like a lot more experienced than you is so valuable. And that like really like blew me away and that motivated me then to, to also get started myself. Basic, basically I was frustrated that he wasn't doing more or other people wouldn't do more. And I thought to myself, at least, you know, I'm, I'm not on their level, but I can maybe help people that are still uh, even more beginners than I am to get to my level faster. If I stream that content. So, really um, one of the videos I liked was, uh, how to ask a question. So like, um, I'd like to know how to do this XSS. Yeah. Oh, sorry. That's my, that's, that's my whole question. I'd like to know. Oh yeah. yeah okay. That was a very <laughs> good example. That was a very good example of the kinds of questions that sometimes get. <laughs> I put, it put a bug. Yeah. yeah. There, there's actually, uh, there's one small thing I, I kind of regret not having included in that video. And that is, uh, asking if they can ask a question like that, that, that starts to drive me insane. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, there's, there's definitely a, a lot to teach people. And that a part of it is what you had brought up in that video, which is when you're teaching somebody, it's, it's harder people to, to come to know what they even want to ask. And it's, it's, it's like between that and people, just not knowing how to even really talk to people in general. It's just both of the, both of those things yeah. compound get really difficult for some people to, to even just, you know, break in and ask a question about something. And then for the person who's receiving that, <laughs> to that knowledge, it's frustrating because you're, you're not sure how they will even process what you're saying because you assume they don't know anything or that they, you know, whatever. It's just, yeah, it's there's a lot of miscommunication that can happen in those sort of transactions. I can certainly relate to that because I know that I've been there and I'm still there actually too. I remember, like I mentioned during the time when I discovered Geohot's live stream, I was like hitting a wall. Like I knew that I am theoretically able to understand that stuff. And for whatever reason, I just couldn't find the proper information to like move forward. And I also struggled to like, phrase the right questions just because there's so much unknown. I, I don't really understand like how to phrase the question. So from that point, I can understand it. And I happen to observe that in myself again, just recently or over the past, like one or two years about like browser exploitation, because that is such a complex and huge topic that mm -hmm. felt like theoretically I should be able to understand this if I would dedicate the time, but I don't, it, it seems such a daunting task that I'm uh, overwhelmed and get frustrated. And so, so I have these same annoying questions. I ask some people I know, like, this is so complicated. I don't know where to start. And, and th those are not questions that people can help you with. These are 
not precise enough. And so, yeah, I, I can emphasize. So, so I hope that with the video that was a little bit ranty, I could like nudge people to understand. And that's also something I had to like kind of learn again or, or make, um, made myself aware of again that I have to take a step back and approach this more slowly and not go all the way at once and just mm -hmm. like try to figure out what are these first small steps that hopefully lead me onto the path where I want to go. I think, uh, I don't know, I guess as well, sometimes if you're not sure of someone's skill level and they want your help and you obviously want to help them, sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm tech explaining. I don't know if you ever feel that. Mm. That's where, a like, huge struggle for me. Yeah. You, you sort like you're explaining something and then all of a sudden you're explaining something about TCP and then the next thing you're, you know, you're breaking it and then maybe they already know this stuff. Maybe they don't, and they don't give you any indication of like, do they know it or yeah. do you yeah, want to shut up? I, now or like, I'm, I'm really struggling with this and I've actually, I don't know where I stand. I flip flop between those two things because I don't want to be, I don't want to appear arrogant. So I don't want to like, uh, throw around like, I uh, know, so sorry, be, be arrogant and assume that the person is below me by starting to explain like very basic stuff. And so I, I don't want to appear that I think I know everything and you know nothing. And, it, and then the other side would be that I assume that you are on my level and then I would just start speaking jargon and then actually you don't understand. And that makes you feel dumb and makes me look arrogant. So <laughs> I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to do this with my videos as well, because in a sense, it's like the same way where I just present my thoughts and talk to somebody. And I don't really know how, how, how to properly have that conversation. Both seems fatal. It's probably harder with a one-way communication medium like video. But if you're talking to someone in person, you can just straight up ask, like, what is your experience level with like X thing? And usually mm. people will tell you and you can try to go from there. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mean, especially with your videos, it's, it's going to be harder because it's not one person or one type of person. You, you have no clue really who's watching. Yeah. With videos, I can't imagine doing that, but in person that can be effective. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, so that actually leads into the next question that I, I we had for you, which was how do you balance and, or gauge uh, <laughs> to more advanced content when you're making videos? Because you've made videos on, you know, the whole process of like, you know, what are buffer overflows, and then start off with the basics of what is assembly, and you go through like the whole chain, and you lead up to way more advanced concepts. But then you make other videos as well that are, you know, sometimes they're gauged towards more beginner audience, and sometimes they're they're like straight into whatever you're talking about with the jargon. Um, so how do you balance that? And, and when you're making a video to sort of, I guess, get in the mode of, of explaining it to, you know, somebody who's beginner to more advanced. Yeah. I actually don't really think about it too much because it's basically always constrained by the length that I target for a video, which is like roughly like 10 minutes or so. It's, it's about, three Google Docs pages that I write for a script. And I, in recent like times, I've been kind of failing this. So it's like three to four pages. Uh, I, I try to limit myself, which is actually not much when you start like trying to write out what you want to say. And so that limits the size. And then, and then comes the topic that I want to talk about. So maybe it's a CTF challenge that I want to explain or some other topic I want to explain. But Let's say you solve the CTF challenge. And so now I figure out how can I explain the solution to the CTF challenge in that time. And I want to include as much detail as possible, 
but I'm confined by the length. So if the challenge was a little bit more basic, it allows me to go even deeper and more and explain more basic stuff. But if the G CTF challenge was already something more advanced that requires certain knowledge, then I just don't have the time to explain those details. And so that ends up to be a more advanced topic. And I guess because I keep jumping around between topics and because sometimes I solve easy challenges, sometimes I solve harder challenges, I guess in the end it balances it somewhat out. Uh, but yeah, to, I, I'm not actually thinking a lot about balancing. It's actually mostly the time constraint and I try to explain as much as possible in the time that I'm given and sometimes it's more basic and sometimes it's more advanced. That's really cool. That's actually a really good way to think about it. And I think that's probably what what a lot of people end up doing is just you only have a certain amount of time and yeah, that's uh sweet. Um, so one of the things that um, actually shell, this is your question. Um, what are some of the most common questions that you get from your viewers? The, I was thinking when I got started that my, the most question I would get would be to, to be asked to hack their Facebook or hack their Instagram or something like this. <laughs> and so, and other people have told me they get this question, but surprisingly, I get this question extremely rarely, maybe every other few months or so, like once in a blue moon uh, on Twitter or an email, I get this question, but basically never. It's actually ridiculous how little I get this, which is really surprising to me. And the question I get the most actually is what kind of books I would recommend, uh, followed by uh, kind of how to get started. Um, yeah. So do you have any go-to resources um, for those kinds of questions? Like if somebody asks you how to get started or what sort of books do you recommend, how mm -hmm. do you approach that? So that's why I made like a couple or I have like two videos of mine that I made to kind of answer this question. So one of the videos is how to get the secret step-by-step -step guide to learn hacking, which I deliberately made a little bit more clickbaity, try to capture exactly these people, uh, where I basically explain that it's difficult or impossible for me to tell you how to start because it totally depends on your background and what you're interested in. And, and I don't, I, have a, I haven't reviewed all the available resources, so I don't know which ones are efficient. I only know the resources I learned with, and they were frustrating and stuff like this, so I'm sure there are better ones out there. So basically, I sent in these videos to explain kind of like the issue I have with recommendation. I also can't recommend any books because I've never actually learned or studied with books. I'm, I'm terrible at reading books. Um, that's kind of something that annoys my, me myself. Um, so yeah, I tend to send them this sometimes depending on how much I have time and how much I'm in the mood or whatever, or maybe the person even included something about themselves. I, I might like ask back like what the background is or what, what they kind of want to learn. And otherwise I just, yeah, refer to that video that I made and maybe even point them to something like Pico CTF or tell them that I have made this series on the basics of like binary exploitation that they can follow along and do it themselves, like these challenges themselves, try them themselves, uh, stuff like this. Uh, but yeah, it's it, I don't have like a go-to satisfactory answer and kind of changes over time and depends on my mood if I'm willing to talk to this person or not. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so speaking of mood though, um, one of the other things I wanted to ask was, what are some of your pet peeves about being a technical content creator? I know that a lot of people just sort of expect content creators on, say, YouTube to just 
pump out whatever content or answer their questions or be present or whatever. Um, I guess, do you have any sort of um, things that get on your nerves about doing this kind of stuff? Mm, what mm, actually not really so so far my experience has, as a content creator has been surprisingly positive i started doing this completely anonymously because i thought i would receive a lot more stuff that i would struggle with but has been surprisingly fine and nothing really that annoys me a lot I guess what annoys me a lot is just these questions about can I ask a question, what I just mentioned before. If, if they ask, if they can ask a question, it's just annoying. Um, also, um, sometimes, like in, like I said, I started anonymously because as a kind of a self-protection mechanism because I'm a very, I think I'm a fairly emotional person and I probably don't do well with a lot of like hate comments and stuff like that, but I don't get these at all. Uh, and so the the very very few I get I actually can brush off, but but that's something I would have worried about, but it hasn't turned out not to be an issue. Um, I don't know pet peeves as a content creator. Yeah, no, that's totally a valid point though. I think yeah. that's something that that makes people really scared to put stuff out there. It's it's mm. for any any field really, but especially technical stuff where there's always just like the the that meme of the guy with the actually, and they just have like little tiny glasses and they're balding, just sitting in their, their mom's basement or something. It's like that kind of thing that like, just Oh, not want to do anything. That's a good, good point with the, well, actually. So, so my most, my most, uh, successful video and that kind of like my viral video, it has over 3 million views. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but it's about this raspberry Pi that a student found in like a college library it was just plugged in there in the wall and he found multiples of these and was wondering what it does. And I contacted him and helped him like, look at this. And basically in that video, I'm describing this process of trying to help him figure it out. And I was just telling the story and you know, there were a lot of limitations that we had, like this student only had a windows laptop. He didn't have an SD card. No, he had an SD card reader built in into the laptop. Uh, and he didn't have a Linux machine. He didn't have an extra monitor to plug into that Raspberry Pi. He like all these limitations that we had. And so I was on a Skype call with him and I needed to figure out what is the most efficient way to somehow get that Linux image to me over the internet because he sits on the other side of the world. And so I had to play around with all these limitations and, uh, you know, installing, a Linux machine is actually something we did and we didn't include in the video because that was a dead end because his SD card reader, for example, was like a built-in one and wasn't exposed via the USB bus. He couldn't attach that to the VM. So the, it wasn't, the, the SD card wasn't readable from the VM. So basically in the end, I tried to download a tool that would allow us to create an image of that SD card with Windows. And so we Googled and found like a tool and didn't like work. And we tried to read the file system and it didn't work. And anyway, long story short, I tried to explain this, this whole story. And then in the end, I get comments as like, why didn't you just use Linux? Why didn't you just plug in uh, a monitor? Uh, and, and people like, we just try to download a single tool to image the SD card, which is so much easier to, to install Linux, set this up on this person's single machine, then somehow get Skype working again with screen sharing that we can set it up and have a call and, and then walk him through. Like that is a, such 
a larger task than just trying to find a Windows tool to get an image of, of the SD card. Like <laughs> this is what goes into this well actually. Like people suggesting something that is just doesn't make any sense in that context and, and kind of misunderstanding that I'm telling here a story that had limitations and obviously it's not the perfect path that it could have been. But that's just telling the story how it was. Um oh my gosh, sorry. That's that's absolutely like people that's just a, a common thread through a lot of things. People not understanding or appreciating the process and the effort that you go through to make this kind of stuff. Because kind of videos that you do, especially like they have a lot of diagrams and, and animations and things, and those take time to like one think of and then create and then put into something that actually makes sense. And so, yeah, it's definitely a, a huge thing for people to to remember when they're they're watching people create anything on the internet is that it takes a lot of time and, and effort and there's a lot of things that you might not know about that go into you know putting uh putting things on the screen for you yeah i, I think uh, a lot of people i guess that goes also in the pet peeve stuff assume that like making videos is easy and quick and that's I, I have done like a live stream once where i've made like a ctf video right up from start to finish and that live stream was like 14 hours long so that's roughly how much it took me to like prepare and edit and create that video ignoring even the time that went into like playing the ctf and stuff in the first place so this is like massive amount of hours for a video basically that i release every week that people might not be realizing that that it takes and so that goes even a step further you know thinking about like these stupid let's players on YouTube or stupid vloggers that, that have, have it so easy, but actually all this editing and all this collection of footage and all this stuff costs so much time. And, and so I guess that is my pet peeves about content creation that people assume that it's easy and quick. And in, in reality, like we are there like working our ass off, not having weekends just to prepare these things to release them. Um, yeah. No, absolutely. And I think it's great that we were able to discuss this too, because a lot of people just do not get to understand, um, you know, what actually goes into it. So thank you for explaining. Whoa! Um, big shout outs to uh, all the gift subs that just came through. Thank you very hey, what much. The hell? RX Thanks, RxID. Yeah, RxID. Someone just gift gifted subs to like that. <laughs> cool stuff. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, thanks, dude. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, talking on all of what you have said so far, um, are there any things that you'd like to see people doing in this sort of space of making educational content on YouTube? Like, what are some things that you'd like people to do that maybe you would don't have the time or energy or or, or necessarily know how to do? First of all, I don't have any like. I have obviously some wishes of stuff that I would like to watch myself, but generally I just would like to see more of it and more variety of it. Just like, I, that's also a reason why I did that live stream and why I've shared like my making of how I make these videos in the hope that it kind of helps kickstart somebody else's creation process. Because I understand that some people might not, that many people might not like the video on YouTube stuff, but I, I personally feel like there's a lot of, um, a potential there and i want to watch more videos so i just wish there were more people making videos and in terms of like uh, what i would like to see 
there are various kinds of things. Like I'm a very curious person. So I'm especially interested in any professional just sharing stuff that is related to their work. Uh, may it even just be like a network engineer or like, for example, I have never done ops as mentioned, like earlier, these kind of jobs, like operation security or like, you know, uh, looking at like the network traffic and incidents that are going on. Maybe there's a company out there that is a bit more open with their work and would allow an engineer to kind of like share that process and these videos um, as well. Like things like that, I would love. I would love more security researchers like recording and sharing the process. Like Mermis uh, is, is doing that a lot. Um, or... Um, I've talked to a lot of like security research that would kind of like to do it, but they just don't have the time because the security research already takes so much time. And once they start recording, they realize like how much work it actually is. But uh, yeah, I, I would hopefully encourage and would hope that more just professionals just share their work in, in video form or any form for that matter. If it's easier for you for a blog post, I take a blog post too, but I would like to see just more videos. I think, uh, I think we should probably mention before all the junior developers start streaming is uh, be aware of what you're streaming, I guess. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't be streaming your production keys. Um, Maybe that's why you should do videos and not streaming so that you can make sure to edit it out. Yeah, uh, definitely. There's actually a time um, yeah. from our, our crew um, had found somebody who was Twitch streaming and they had just like for like one second accidentally had like their... Uh, they're like DB, they're like DB creds, and then they're able to like, like, access their stuff. Um, yep. They ended up reporting it on there, and the guy stopped the stream and came into our Discord, and we like walked him through like what to do next. But it was uh, <laughs> that kind of stuff happens, so definitely be aware. Of that. Yeah, I definitely, I would be way too paranoid to stream any to stream anything work related. That's why. I, I would encourage videos and even with videos, like, like I said, I tried to be anonymous at the start and I fucked up many times <laughs> that taught me to be never trying to be anonymous again. I, I had so many mistakes It's so easy or it was so easy to like dox me and stuff. So, so one so of the many things mistakes. Uh, during our 24 hour live stream, when we were all, uh, hanging on different um, CTFs and challenges and things like that. What a lot of people did was actually set up a VM just for that task. So oh, yeah. we set up an Arch VM, like Black Arch VMs, Ubuntu VMs, whatever you're using, and people were just capturing that window. So if you want to do it, that's the way you can do it um, without having, you know, accidentally alt-tapping alt -tapping to, you know, your real Firefox logged in with your actual Gmail. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't, don't do that. But yeah, you can, you can save yourself that potential by taking a few steps and thinking about it. That's for example, uh, something, um, that, that I have a problem with. So when I play CTFs, I obviously play that like on my machine where I'm logged in into like the different, you know, chat applications to, to share stuff with people. I have my email open. It's just like my machine, right? And, and so if I would record that and would try to make a video out of it, it would be so tedious to edit all that stuff out. That's why for, for my videos, I actually reenact basically everything I did uh, to like properly size the windows, make sure they are clean, make sure there's nothing on it. And then I record that, that section of for, for the video and stuff like this because it's my, my footage of recording myself playing CTF is unusable with the, with the private... Like I'm, I'm messaging like my girlfriend or my friend or like stuff is happening, you know, unusable. Yeah. 
that's, that's a lot of work, man. That's uh, that's a lot of effort to go through and just recreate everything you did. And uh, on top of that, uh, I just I want to say I'm not sure how much time it takes, but the the drawn annotations you do for your videos, I think those are a great addition. But I'm sure that takes forever. So I have found a very efficient way, I think, how to do this. Like the reason why they look how they look, it has become like a kind of a, a almost like a brand identity of like Overflow. But this has been created basically accidentally because it's the fastest thing I could figure out to do this because I wanted annotation on the screen. I felt like there was too much information on the screen to just show that. I needed something to point and or to like make a box around it and stuff like this. And initial, my initial process was that I would always like if I have a screen of my video showing, I would take a screenshot. Uh, paste that into Photoshop, draw something over it or draw like a, a rectangle over it and then export just that transparent layer as a file and then pull that file again into the video. And that was quite tedious. And this is my, those are my early videos until I figured out that you can do video editing in Photoshop. So now I just edit it once, like stitch everything together to zoom in and prepare everything like that first render that and then I take that whole video into Photoshop and in Photoshop it's actually very easy to then create layers and just draw over them. You can't really do animations uh, and, and, and all that kind of fancy stuff but you can do like these still overlay layers just over the video and then you can draw on this and that process gets fairly quick. I mean it still takes like time and still kills like another two hours or so but compared to having to do this animation in like After Effects or whatever professional tool that would be, this has been pretty fast. So feel free to use that method if that means you can make better videos. That definitely sounds better than uh, opening Notepad and typing in there and then backspacing five times and typing it again. <laughs> but that's classic. Much that's classic. <laughs> yeah, that's stylized now. Yeah. This would hypercam too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess, um, do you want to just talk a little bit about any projects that you're working on right now? Um, so right now I'm on, on, on YouTube, I'm releasing, I'm in the process of releasing this browser exploitation series, which is obviously I'm not an expert. I also like started to learn about it by trying to walk through uh, one example exploit. Uh, so we are on like, I think episode four or so, and there will be a couple of more episodes trying to walk through all the technical details and to be able to understand that one particular exploit. Uh, so, so that's one thing that I'm basically working on. And then I started like streaming last week and we are building um, this 8-bit computer by Ben Eder. So it's not security related, but it's about like understanding how a computer works on a more electronics level. I'm an amateur in electronics, so I use this also to learn more about it myself. That, that kind of is also a core principle of myself. I, I, I strongly believe that uh, I'm, I'm better at my job the more I understand about the whole computer world, everything technology related, even if it's not like electronics, it's not something I do professionally, but I feel like through that, I understand computers a bit better. That allows me just to do uh, do my work better. I don't know. That's something I, I believe in. Yeah. So we are building that. It's not security related, but uh, we, we might chat a lot about security as well. Those are the two projects that are going on right now. Oh, and I'm working on my master's thesis. I'm trying to do finish my master's degree. That's another whole drama. <laughs> Good luck with that. 
you know, I guess we'll uh, we'll ask you in like six months or a year's time. Like, so what are you working on? You're like my master's thesis, you know? Yeah, no, I have an, I have an actual deadline. Uh, it's at the end of October. So ask me. Either I I, I handed that in or I dropped out. So <laughs> well, good luck. Good luck with that. And of course, that's also why I started streaming and building that eight bit computer. Because when is the best time to start a new project? Right, exactly. Oh, we got to build this computer from scratch. Hold on. <laughs> um, so, uh, Subnet in the chat, which thanks to Subnet and um, RxID for gifting all those subscriptions. I think there were 11 or 12 given away just now uh, to everybody in chat. Subnet asks, is Live Overflow going to be at the DEF CON CTF again this year? Uh, most likely not. I have no plan so far to go. Uh, my excuse is that I'm working on my master thesis and can't afford like to travel, uh, and I sh probably shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't build this computer instead and go to DEFCON, I guess, but uh, it is what it is now. <laughs> I think you'll probably learn more from building the computer than going to like every talk at DEFCON. I don't know. That may have made some Well, I wouldn't go to any talks at DEFCON anyway because I would just sit in the hotel room playing the CTF. <laughs> Last year, I didn't see anything of DEF CON. I literally just walked from the hotel room up the elevator, up the escalator uh, to the CTF area and back. That's all I saw. Yeah, definitely been there before. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that sums up the experience, I think. I think your experience sounds like it had a little less vomit. <laughs> there was no <laughs> vomit. <laughs> yeah. Um. <clears throat> So does anybody else in the chat, in either chat, have questions to ask? Do uh, Live Overflow or still have them? Um, <clears throat> one of the things that I wanted to ask you, too, is do you have any message for um, any aspiring hackers that might be listening and watch your show or watch your channel? Uh, yeah, actually, that's also some advice when, when people ask me like how to get started or when they appear frustrated when they write me. Generally, what I like to say is that this stuff is complicated and just takes time. There's masses of information and the, the, the key takeaway is, and what you need to prepare yourself for, it just takes time. If you start now, it, you will not learn this stuff in a couple of days. It will not take weeks. It probably will also not take months. But if you start doing this casually on the side and whatever, it, I assure you and I can guarantee you that in, in, in like a couple of years, you are most certainly a, pro, uh, a well-versed professional. And in a year, you already will be so capable uh, it, it, there's just masses and masses of information that need to be absorbed over time. You can't do that in, in just a few months. So don't be frustrated when you just got started. It's absolutely normal and it's all doable and it's all in retrospect easy, but I know that it's frustrating and it just takes time. That's a really, that's a really good point about you know, uh, taking time and getting frustrated because I guess the things you learn at the start um, might have other things that you need to know later uh, for it to come full circle. And that, that knowledge stack might take that few months, might that take that year plus. And, you know, I still have times where, you know, 5, 10, 15 years later, I turn around and go like, oh, now I get it. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. keep going. Absolutely. Um, oh, so Femto Duino asks a really important question here. Um, live overflow. Have you had to deal with burnout? Uh, no. Um, to be honest, I actually don't really know what 
like the full symptoms of a burnout would be the thing is like i'm not employed like i don't have to go to an office i can tell you that i'm extremely tired and uh stuff but i don't have a boss it's like all like all the stress i'm feeling is all basically self-imposed i have the choice as a freelancer to take on projects or not i keep taking on projects i keep taking on more work i keep putting more work into life overflow. Now I started streaming. I have a master thesis to do. Like I'm loaded with work and I load more onto myself, but it's all like by choice and I could all drop at any time. And that's why I think I can like keep going. Like it, it, I haven't had like vacations or weekends basically in years, but I'm also kind of doing anything like by choice in a way. Uh, so uh, every day is a weekend. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's why it is. Um, and so I feel like if I had like a, a job where I need to get up every morning and go to, and, um, you know, have to get up in the morning, I feel like I would have already failed and I wouldn't be able to do it anymore, but because I just wake up and can work in my PJs and, or work from bed, I'm just able to, uh, keep walking on the hot coals. That's kind of how I feel. That's an interesting approach, though, for um, I guess being a freelancer and you saying that you you choose to uh, to do the things. A lot of people definitely um, serial overcommitters, um, doing a lot of things and then feeling bound to them. So it's like, yeah, so yeah. so Giles. Yeah, just write something in chat. Like stress is about no longer in control, and that's how I feel also about it. I, I feel very stressed. I feel extremely overworked in some way, but it's not, nobody put that work onto me. It's not like that I have a boss or a deadline that is like coming up that I didn't choose for myself and, and stuff keeps just running away from me that I have no control over. It's all like self-imposed stress. Any day I don't, any week I don't have to upload a YouTube video. I don't have to do this live stream. And in the worst case, I could also drop out of university. I will be fine. I have several years of work experience now. Like I, I will be fine anyway, right? So it's extremely stressful. I'm extremely busy. I don't have free time. But uh, at the same time, it's, again, by choice. It's not on stress uh, uh, put onto me. And I think that is a massive difference. I, I think a lot of people uh, who want to try and achieve some of the things, learn some of the things, like, you know, their goals are like read this book or uh, get this certificate, they're doing it after work and, you know, a lot of people have kids and, and other commitments like that. Um, and, and they find it really hard. Uh, but I guess it's all about that management, right? So, yeah. So, I mean, I also jump between a lot of stuff and like, I have the freedom to work on whatever I want. Um, I, I pre-produce my life overflow videos, for example, because I couldn't do a day, uh, like a weekly schedule. I go through waves. I have, uh, weeks where I'm extremely motivated to make videos. And then I have weeks where I either busy or I don't feel motivated to make videos, but I can always consistently release because I then produce like more during those times that fits well with my freelance work, because obviously there's project based. So sometimes I have projects and sometimes I don't. And, um, by being able to kind of like, uh, like a task schedule, or sometimes I do that task more, sometimes I do another task work. It works fine. But if I would, be stuck or if I would be in like a framework with especially like family where 
there are so many external forces. It's your job with times and it's, uh, you know, a family that imposes a lot of stuff onto you. Then being able to free up the time to follow a certificate, I find extremely hard and like mad respect for anybody that can like stick through that. Um, uh, I, I actually have no clue how these people will do that. Like, I, I cannot imagine myself be able to succeed um, with, with, with that kind of stress. No, that makes that makes perfect sense. And actually, this is a, a question that has been brought up in both of our chats now. Um, so, where do you find your clients? I'm an aspiring freelancer. Any basic tips for a developer or tech person in the freelance world? Yeah, I to that I always have a very unsatisfying answer. Uh, that I'm kind of lucky with um, my the the way I'm working. Um, I basically don't work directly for like clients. Um, I, I work basically through kind of an agency you can imagine, or like I have like a couple of companies that just um, need additional help. And so I work for them then for a client project and never work directly with the client. So a lot of this overhead of like, talking to the client, getting those projects, getting those bills paid, uh, doing all that admin stuff falls away. It's, it's literally works this way that uh, this company asked me, hey, we have a project coming up. It's this and that. Do you want to uh, do it? And I say yes. And then I get like the scope and all the information and I get the source code or whatever. I do my stuff. I report. I, we chat. We interact. And then I hand off the report and say, here are my tickets done. So And then I send my invoice. And like all that admin stuff that is annoying and freelancing, I don't have. So I'm extremely lucky with that I have that. And I got that through somebody recommending me to somebody. Uh, just somebody said, Hey, this, this guy has some potential. Uh, maybe you can uh, check, check it out. And, and so that's how I got my foot into that door of kind of work gigs and they are out there, but I have no clue how to find them because I just got lucky that somebody recommended me. I guess networking is the answer to that, how, how to get that, but it's definitely not something I have ever planned or thought would happen. I was always on like a, a straight path with university and stuff to just become an employee and probably a developer actually. And uh, if like my gigs, how, how I get these, this work would fall away. I actually don't see myself continuing freelancing alone because that admin overhead and finding these clients and stuff like that seems absolutely extremely stressful and, and scary to me that I would probably just become an employee again. So not, not great advice there. <laughs> no, I mean, that's definitely like the, the reality of it though. And it's important to be realistic because a lot of people have like the dreams about, you know, being a freelancer, being an infosec, being all these different things. And the, you know, it looks pretty from the outside, but all the times it's, it's definitely a lot to, to manage. It's a lot of, um, you know, unknowns and a lot of things that you might not expect and it's definitely good to hear a realistic perspective rather than just, uh, oh, just do it. <laughs> just drop out of everything and become a freelancer and be your own boss and make yeah. $10,000 a day from your, from your pajamas. Like, like a yeah. email scam. Yeah, my, I guess, like my, my very privileged advice, because, you know, like we don't have to pay for university and all that stuff in Germany. So it's like pretty easy to follow like a straight career path. Like my, my pattern of my, I guess, young, still young career has always been that I have a straight 
clear path. I always know kind of like my next step I was working towards. And at the time it was like just do university and then apply for jobs. And then this opportunity just opened up. I've never planned for it. I, I never like waited for that to happen or anything. It just happened. And then I just did, took that step and took that opportunity. And, and so my advice would be make sure that you have like a, like a plan that works out. It's maybe not ideal, but make sure that you are fine with that. And then if some opportunities open up on the side, like take, take them then. Um, but yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, do you have any uh, last words um, before we get going? Any last words? Mm, I guess uh, what I, if, if we have the time, I would be curious, like what is the kind of content uh, on you on videos you would like to see? Uh, because you have all also like kind of different backgrounds and I'm sure like I'm not covering uh, all the topics that you're interested in. So uh, if you could like imagine like a YouTube front page and, and there would be the videos that you want to see, like what would be the video you would like to click on and what kind of, content with that video be is that something you can think of something right now it might also be a blog post or a book maybe on a topic most of what i watch is is just is a uh, defcon talks and watch mojo so watch i'm really mojo. Adding, i'm really adding youtube watch mojo <laughs> top five defcon talks yeah okay. <laughs> i would love that i would love i would love some really nicely produced countdown videos with like a very calming voice just you know very surely talking about like we're gonna talk about the top five kernel phones of 2019 like <laughs> i'd love I think, to uh, maybe some like uh asmr of us engineering yeah, no, we're talking about ASMR. It's just like um, it's really <laughs> out what you're doing, but um, it's like okay, so we're going to analyze the symbols in the bowl off that table. <laughs> so in the past days, you know, I've been building this 8-bit computer, and and like this sound seems to have been has some ASMR. Uh, uh, possibilities like people like it and it actually i don't know on the recording it also sounds kind of nice so it's when i clip the wires and i do this right next to the to the microphone so let me clip a wire and tell me if that is like good good like electronics asmr or something okay okay actually good. the ben eater videos i did fall asleep to for a while i was watching <laughs> i would put them on and be like all right let's just talk about how do you you know make a uh, a seven segment display decoder for five minutes where he explains the entire thing just like all right and just put me right to sleep that's that's a great that's good content and it i honestly that's when i really started trying to learn computer stuff for trying to get a job when i was like, trying to get actually serious about this i just watched youtube videos like that and like just got very obsessed with it but that kind of stuff though like the sort of calming content that's not just hard technical stuff where it's like more human that's definitely the stuff that i really like which is why i've really appreciated your videos yeah cool thanks <laughs> okay careful careful now listen clip the what oh I'm not sure if that was a wire or a toenail that kind of sounded like an explosion i like it oh. Uh, about about voice, one one last uh, thought that I've had. So I've always, oh, I'm pretty sure, I'm very convinced 
that I don't really have like a good, like soothing voice or anything like this. It's like, I don't know, like I, I never really liked my voice on camera or anything. I don't think my voice is particularly like nice to listen to. However, what has shown me that if you have like thousands of people watching your videos, then even your most annoying voice that you don't like, there are people that like it. So if that's a lesson to learn for like insecurities or something, uh, I'm, uh, I'm sure there are still people that still like it. I'll, I'll definitely, I can definitely agree that I don't like, I don't know anyone that likes the sound of their own voice. I don't think anybody likes hearing themselves recorded. Yeah. Um, it's, oh, it's, it's definitely weird. Yeah. I, I don't sound like me to me when I hear me. So uh, yeah, sure. I, I know I sound differently, but also like my voice is not like, you know, like soothing or, or deep. It doesn't have the bass, you know, like, what what makes up like if if you think of like what is a nice soothing voice to listen to that's not my voice yeah. what was that <laughs> i don't think that was me someone's yeah. phone an important phone call but hey it's uh time to uh get going so um thanks so much live for joining us here and thanks to everybody who watched on either channel um we do this podcast every week um it's pretty much what you're hearing right now we kind of just talk about security news and we interview our favorite hackers and have them tell us our stories and do weird stuff so yeah you can follow us on twitter we're at thug crowd um or follow us on um, twitch we kind of just do this every week same time uh next week we're actually talking to hexadecimate who has done a really cool project they're going to tell us about um, for crowdfunding FOIA requests to get information from the FBI. And so they've gotten quite a bit of information um, about a ton of different stuff, and it's going to be really cool to hear um, the whole process of how they actually did it because they've, they've raised quite a lot of money and have got um, a significant amount of stuff that would have never seen the light of day had they not crowdfunded it. So it's going to be awesome Very to talk cool. Um and yeah, so shout out to everybody who watched us. Thanks everybody for gifting subs. Thanks to all of our Patreon people. And thanks to um, Live Overflow for coming and hanging out. Yeah, and, uh, thanks for having me again. XO for the whole time, putting Leet uh, Askiart into the, one of the chat boxes. Matrix <laughs> chat. Uh-huh. Yes. Oh, and also um, another thing um, real quick. Our Matrix challenge was retired um, this weekend, um, the last one. Um, thanks to everybody who's, who actually solved it and came and joined our chats. Um, we will have another one out soon. Um, we have a couple of other um, challenges we're trying to get together, um, but we will be um, releasing that on Twitter. So if you do want to come in and, and join our, our weird gang of people just talking talking on, on the internet, um, we'll have a, uh, a way for you to do that soon. Um, also, um, The Blind Hacker uh, has a stream. Is it Saturday? This, um, I think so. I was pasting links to it earlier in chat. Yes. Uh, we'll just retweet what he said, but thanks to uh, the blind hacker and everything he does. Um, yeah. Um, oh, the Discord invite is invalid. Um, Pseudo moose. We don't have a Discord. Zero um, Discord now. Discord's gone, and the Shaolin challenge is now done. Yep. yep. So um, someone will probably do a write up on the uh, challenge that we just had. Um, <laughs> didn't get leaked on Reddit finally, which is good. Um, but yeah. <laughs> All right, we will see you all next week. Thanks for hanging out and good night. Play the uh, music. Peace. Bye. Lawyer. Bye. Lawyer. Lawyer. Lawyer.